it back on. There we go. All right. Proverbs 26, 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. And the reason this verse, as if you were here last week, we talked about it a little bit, it's, it's so interesting is because the very next verse in 26.5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly. And, uh, and when I was uh, teaching Proverbs for many years at, uh, at, at the college, they would, uh, a lot of young people would just get just hung up here. Say, okay, it says answer not a fool, then it says answer a fool. And, and then I would always have to look at them and say, what does the rest of it say? What does the rest of the verse say? Uh, context is, is so important, and we, we just get hung up on, you know, some little statement, and we think, okay, we, we got a problem here. We got a discrepancy here. We got a contradiction here. But it's, it, it's not what in, uh, by any means. It says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. And immediately when you look at the rest of the verse, you realize that God's saying, when you start talking to a fool, uh, basically in agreement with him, when you're answering him according to a folly, and you're going to become like him, you're going to, you're, you're, uh, you're working with him, so to speak, you're, you're allowing him to continue on uh, with his folly. You may be even encouraging his folly. You may be speaking and answering him according to that folly. We when, how we respond to the words of a fool is crucial. If we agree with what he has said, then we expose ourselves to the danger of becoming a fool. And so we have to be very, very careful. A lot of times we just want to agree with people. We want to get along with people. But when it comes to a fool, God says, no, nah, don't do that. Don't go there. Because when you start agreeing with a fool, uh, you're going to become a fool. We've already looked at some principles about that. Now, uh, if we, you know, to say we agree, even though we don't, you know, that reinforces his foolish ideas in, in uh, our own subconscious minds. I mean, you know, you say, well, I'm just trying to get along with him. I'm just trying to let him know that, you know, somebody's giving him a hearing. I'm trying to do that. But, but truthfully, every time you speak outwardly that you agree with them, even though you don't, you're kind of saying to your mind, you do. And you are working on your own mind. You're distorting your own mind. And so need to be very careful about that, that, we, that, that uh, we don't need to be mean, but we don't have to agree either. Uh, we don't have to, to encourage them and what they're talking about. Now, here's the, the issue. You know, we may say, well, okay, I'm not going to agree with anybody that, you know. Uh, now, we need to start all these other points and 20 probably plus points that we've already had teaching us how to recognize who the fool is because God's specifically talking about the fool here. Not everybody. He's talking about the fool. And so it's, uh, and then that leads us to verse 26, 26, 5, uh, chapter 26, uh, verse 5. It says, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceit. This is a completely different statement. Uh, it's, it sounds similar, these sim, similar statements about fool, but in reality, they're opposites. The first command, 26.4, is a negative. Don't agree with the words of the fool. The second is a positive. Tell the fool why he's wrong. Uh, God just says that there, uh, and again, he'll be wise in his own conceit. Uh, the implication here, and as you again study through the, the three people that we talked about, the wise, the, the fool, 
and the, uh, uh, the simple. Uh, the implication here, I believe, is that, that you have others present. And when you have others present, especially the simple present, uh, sometimes you have to answer that fool. You have to tell him, no, I'm sorry, you're wrong. Uh, now, we've seen other scriptures say when you do that, now you have to understand when you do that, according to the scripture that we've already, we've already learned, you're going to get attacked. You're, you're going to have conflict. You're going to have issues. But it's kind of the, the, the willingness to do that for the people that are going to get hurt if you don't. Um, so, you know, sometimes we just have to take that little bit of a stand. When, when a fool spouts some foolishness, we should say something along this line. I don't agree, agree with that idea because God says. Here's the most important thing. When, you're, when you correct a fool, don't get angry. Don't, get, uh, don't lose your temper. Don't get frustrated. Uh, the best answer is, well, I'm sorry, but what you said is wrong because the Word of God says this. Uh, answer them with the Scripture. And that's why it's so important that we have the Word of God in our hearts and minds. We must guard against agreeing with a fool for our own safety, lest we become one ourselves. On the other hand, we must be willing to rebuke the fool for his sake and for others' sake, uh, lest he be wise in his own, own conceit. The, the way of the fool is, is right in his own eyes, Proverbs twelve fifteen says. And so, the reason uh, a wise man should correct a fool is to make it clear that the fool is wrong. Failure here will serve to strengthen the fool's resolve to pursue evil. He will become more conceited, more confident in his direction and his statements. And so uh, he, it's a twofold process. We're going to hopefully help him. We're not going to change him. Hopefully we're at least going to slow down his direction of foolishness. God has to break his heart. God has to change his heart. That leads us to one we, we haven't made it to. Uh, it's Proverbs 26.6. That's kind of our little review. And Proverbs 26.6 now says, he that, sendeth, he that sendeth a message by the hand of a fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. Now that's a pretty unique uh, little verse there. He that sendeth a message by the hand of the fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. When you violate this principle, you, you cripple yourself is what basically this is, this is teaching us. He that sendeth a message by the hand of the fool cutteth off the feet and drinketh damage. You, you cripple yourself as surely as if you had volunteered to be a double amputee. God says, God says you know, it's kind of like when... It talks about children that, that uh, disobey parents and, and won't follow. You know, it says the eagle will pluck out their eye and eat it. Uh, you know, God makes it very, very serious for us to do some things. And it's a very, very serious thing. He's, he's saying, you're, you're crippling yourself. You're, just, you're, you're really just hurting your own cause uh, when, when you do this. When you, uh, uh, when, when you telephone, for instance... And the person you're calling is unavailable. You should you should leave a message. Um, no, I I rarely even leave my name. I'll call back. I say and let it go with that. Sounds silly. Then remember that this is God's way to safeguard against misunderstandings. They say, what in the world does that mean? The um, you know. It's the thing that's, that's the problem with social media and all the texting and all the things. You know, it's so easily to be misunderstood in writing. 
It really is. It, it, you can't see the countenance of another person. They can't see your countenance. They can't, they, they can't hear your expression. Uh, you know, a comma in the wrong place uh, or not there at all can just destroy everything that you're saying. Uh, it's just, we need to be very, very careful uh, about what we say and how we say it, how we send the message, so to speak. And God says, this is, this is one that if we're not careful how we relay information, uh, then, then we can be hurting ourselves desperately. It's basically what God's saying. Be careful how you relay information, especially when you're dealing with a fool. Man, you've got to be so very careful. Give them, right now, you give the, the fools of the liberal media any statement they can pull out. I'd be scared to death to be interviewed by any news service. As an independent Baptist preacher, I'll be, I, honestly, because they, you know, you can make your statement, but they will just cut and splice and pull out whatever they want. You make one little statement, and that's not what you meant at all, but, but they can take it and turn it that way. I'm not for the, uh, the Pope, and I'm not really, really not for the Pope right now. Uh, but, you know, I guess uh, because he's, he's extremely, you know, uh, socialist, liberal, uh, more so than even some of the rest of them have been. But, but, uh, but he made a statement that uh, all of the, you know, all religions have some, somebody within them that is extremist. He made that statement. And the, the, the news media now, the liberal news media now has taken that and twisted that and said the, the Pope says that this, uh, that the extremists, that, that oh, what am, I'm trying to look for the term, um, it just, it's left me, the uh, terrorism that they, is not uh, caused by Muslims. Because all groups have, he said, and I understand the statement. Every group's going to have an extreme view in that group. Every group's going to have that. So he made that statement. But from that, they ran and twisted that. Now it's the Muslims are not at fault for terrorism. Uh, so what he said has just been twisted and distorted, and that's what we have to be very careful. What we say, what messages we leave, what we write, how we write it, we got to be very careful, especially when you're, when you're leaving a message, when you're sending a message or you're delivering a message to somebody that has a tendency to be foolish or a fool. So that leads us to the next one. Next one is Proverbs 26.7. So we're just walking on down. You don't have to turn much here. You don't have to turn at all. The legs of the lame are not equal. So is a parable in the mouth of fools. The legs of the lame are not equal. That means the lame is, is, is crippled. It, just like the verse before, the legs of the lame are not equal. He's, he's going to limp as he goes along. He's going to struggle. It says, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. Wise men are always misunderstood and therefore misquoted by fools. It is for this reason that wise and godly leaders are often misrepresented, as we're just talking about. And it's why we must be careful about forming opinions about the ministries of others without hearing them firsthand. This is one of the things that, that I really stress here. I, I've stressed for years and years. 
Don't, look, don't make a determination about what somebody else is doing, what somebody else believes, what's, where somebody else is going. I used to say this, and now I'm going to have to live up to it. I told them for years and years, if I ever went out and pastored, but I never thought I would. So you can say a lot of things if you're never going to think you're going to do it. But, um, but uh, I said, you know, if I do that, for the sake of the young people and the families, I'm going to have to go visit the colleges, not just hear what other people say about the colleges. I got to go see them myself. I got to. I got to go. No, I got to rather than 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 coming up with a determination because some. And I'll be honest with you. When I do, I'm not going to announce that I'm going. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go there to the college and just show up. I'm gonna just show up at the church. Uh, I'm just gonna just walk in. I had a fellow one time that that. Uh, uh, you, well, uh, we walked in, it wasn't a felon, but I, I walked into his church, and, and as I came into this church, it was back in a time where we were having a lot of battles, and it's a long time ago, 25 years ago, and, and uh, so I walked into his church, and man, you, you would have thought that they loved me, loved our college, loved our church, loved our everything, but he had material out as I walked down the hallway. Uh, I walked by it and saw some material that was very much against us. And I just kind of looked at it, and I thought, wow, I wonder why we are here. And, uh, and as I walked by, the next thing I knew, I was, I was looking in a mirror, and this is terrible, but I was looking in a mirror, a big mirror at the end of the world, and I saw the pastor run out of his office, get, get his secretary or somebody, called him over and said, get all this up. And he was telling him to get it all up and, and carry it in. Uh, because we'd come in early. We'd come in unannounced, and they had forgotten to leave and left that, material out and they did not want us to see it you know truth is you got to go check things out and uh and and so we that's what god is teaching us here he's saying that you've got to know what's really going on and, and don't make your determinations uh foolishly don't make your because you're 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 like you're crippled you like you're not making good decisions the the parable in the mouth of a fool, that's a parable is, is a symbol of wisdom and, and a symbol of understanding and discretion, and, and that's what it teaches. And, and so he's saying that parable doesn't fit in his mouth at all. The fool, you, you, it, that parable shouldn't, it just doesn't even come out right. Uh, well, we need to be very careful that what we say is based on truth and fact, not based on speculation or hearsay. And so... The simple believeth every word, but the prudent maketh a man looketh well to his going. That's what Proverbs fourteen fifteen says. So well, that's what we got to be careful of, that we're not simple. And, oh, man, is that what, the, you know, they, they do that over there? Well, if you're not there, you don't know what they do over there. Just because somebody else said that's what they do over there. People could say whatever they want to about us. Uh, they could walk in right now. And, uh, and, and think this is church service and walk back out and say, oh, man, that church is dying. It's only got, you know, eight or ten people in the whole church and walk away. Well, everybody in the community may hear that and think, wow, that's all that's over there? Uh, yeah, just because somebody walked in today, you know, at this moment. Uh, well, this is not church time. Hopefully it's not. Uh, and so it, it just... I used to battle this so much. There was a, they, get this, they, there was a, uh, a statement being made, and, and those of you who wouldn't understand this, but but long time ago, there were some many battles. You talk about, you know, issues with, you know, the fundamental church's day. There were many battles 
uh, 30 years ago. And, and, uh, and, and there started being kind of people would stand up and say, uh, you know, this, the p- things they're saying or accusations that are being made against this church, that church, they can't be true because look how big they are. Look how productive they are. Look how, you know, successful they are. It can't be true. I got in front of the class one day and I, in a big class, in, well, in chapel actually, and I got up front of them and I said, I said, according to that reasoning, that means that every small church must be wrong. No, they're not wrong because of their size. Or they're not right because of their size. You don't become right or wrong because of your size. You become right or wrong because of truth. I went so far from that, and you can think about this one. That I got up in a chapel one day. It was a summer school chapel, so it was only about, at that time about 400 kids were there. But, but I got up in that summer school chapel, and, uh, and, and I asked them, and I went through a series, three different things that happened to be in a newspaper the day before, three different articles. There was, and if I can remember them now, there was an article about uh, Pete Rose and his gambling uh, and, uh, on baseball and whether he should be in the Hall of Fame. And, and uh, there was one about Ted Kennedy and Chappaquiddick. And if you've probably never heard of that, but Ted Kennedy was with a, uh, a woman and, and ran off a bridge. And somehow he got out of the car and survived and she drowned. And, and uh, you know, really, you know, there was all kind of speculation about that, whether Kennedy murdered her and whether he should be held accountable for the murder. And then there was uh, one where uh, this little girl, Mary Jo Kopechny, I think was the name, and she had been murdered, and she uh, and they had caught this man, and they were they were charging this man with her murder, and maybe Mary Jo Kopechny was with Chappaquiddick. I can't remember. I'm getting my names all messed up. It's a long time ago, but it was a 16 year old girl that was was killed, and so and so uh, I got up and I and I said, how many of you think Pete Rose should be banned from baseball? You know, from the Hall of Fame, banned from baseball, and probably about 50 percent of the kids raised their hand. I said, how many of you think Ted Kennedy ought to be prosecuted and ought to be found guilty for the murder of Mary Jo Kopechny? And, uh, you know, then it was like 80, 90 percent raised their hand. And I, and I called out this other little girl, and I said, how many believe this man uh, ought to be prosecuted and put to death for the murder of this little girl? Well, then it was 100 percent, man. I mean, like 99 percent of people raised their hand. Here's the problem. In every article, it said, this little keyword, alleged, alleged. Pete Rose had never been proven that he had gambled. At that time, there was no, he had not been proven. He had been charged, basically. There was no proof on Ted Kennedy. If it had been, there had been something a long, long time ago that would have come up. The man that they had arrested, they allegedly, they were charging him. He had never been proven guilty. And I said, you know, we're just as guilty as everybody that criticizes and condemns us. Because we were ready to condemn all those people simply because of what we heard. And we need to be very careful because God says that is that we become a fool then. And he says that parable, that truth now, it doesn't fit in your mouth. Shouldn't even be coming out of your mouth. And I don't hope that it's not too confusing, but it's just a key thing that, that God is trying to tell us. We need to be very careful that we base our decisions, we make our decisions, and we 
we make our statements and our determination off of fact. And even when we have fact, if it's unnecessary, we don't need to be telling it. I mean, uh, okay, so, well, it's true. Well, there's a lot of bad truth that is a lot of hurtful truth. And so, but be very careful that we base what we say upon truth. Next point. Fools turn words of wisdom into words that cause conflict. That's kind of an amazing one. Proverbs 26, 9. There's a whole lot in Proverbs 26. Proverbs 26, 9 says, As a thorn goeth into the hand of a drunkard, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. The word uh, here translated parable means a proverb. And so we're in the book of Proverbs. And, and, it's, and what a proverb is, is, by definition, is a short, striking sentence that contains wisdom. And so God calls these proverbs. And he's saying these are short sentences that kind of strike you with the wisdom that just comes out of them. And he said, uh, and he said so when he's talking about this parable, so is a parable in the mouth of fools. He said, this, this short, striking sentence of wisdom in the mouth of fool, it's like a thorn that goeth into the hand of a drunkard. Fools misuse such proverbs. In fact, they wield them as weapons, using them to put down other people and, is, and to justify themselves. The, as a thorn goeth into the hand of a drunkard, the fool is not going to use the proverb to help somebody. The fool is going to use the, the proverb to injure to inflict pain upon somebody. Uh, it's amazing how people, uh, a lot of times, you know, they will know, that's why you don't get, you know, just be leery of debates, leery of all these, you know, that when you get into these, these just heated uh, arguments, because, uh, listen, a debate is won normally by the person with a quicker mind, not with the person of truth, not with the person of right. Um. I won't call his name, but I had a, a man, a pastor, look at me, and he said, I, you know, a certain issue, a very crucial issue that we believe. He said, I could bait, debate it either way and win. And I walked away after he said that, and I said, that's a scary statement. What he's saying is, I'm so smart that I can beat you in a debate. And what he's saying is, I can debate it either way and win means truth is not an issue to me. What I believe is not an issue. I'm just smart enough to manipulate information more quickly than you can. And, and that's why I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you have integrity and you're going to tell the truth and you're going to be factual in your statements, be very careful. Don't debate anybody. Because you get into a debate, what's going to happen is they, most debates, especially if you get into a debate with a fool, uh, quote, liberal, uh, if you get in a debate with a fool or uh, th- this liberal side, they don't care about truth. They care, all they care about is winning the debate, and so they will manipulate the information. They will manipulate the truth. They will even use what, see, you know, like pieces of truth and shove it in there because it fits that moment, but it's not, it's used out of context but their mind is so quick, they can throw that out there. And so they can defeat you in the eyes of every, all the simple that are around. Because you just, one, your mind may not be as quick. Two, it's, it's a lot harder to win when you stick to the truth. And, and that sounds terrible. 
But they, they, they can use anything. They can use lies. They can use half-truth. They can use misquotes. They can, uh, it, it's, it goes back to um, years and years ago, I was a, a police officer, and I went in as a, to uh, uh, close down. I was, a, I was the youngest guy in the department, so they used, put me in plain clothes and put me where a bunch of teenagers were in this, this little, you know, nothing much more than a joint, but they had gambling-style pinball machines. And at that time, you had to be 21 to play those games, but virtually nobody that even went into that little establishment was 21. And so the gambling-style pinball machine was being played by people underage, and that's illegal, and, and the place should be closed down. So I went in, you know, I went in playing clothes, and, and I'm at the machines, and I'm around there, and then here's some kids that come up, and they start plunking their quarters in there to gamble on these machines. And, uh, and so when they did, you know, it was pretty obvious that they were below 18 or below 21. And so, uh, you know, I asked for an ID, and, and they were all under 21. I closed the place down, and, and we went to court. We went to court. The, the lawyer right there in court, the first question he asked me is, um, he said, did you, how do you know they were gambling style pinball machines? And I said, well, uh, you know, and I described them, and I said, here's how they function and all that. And he said, uh, did you see the tax stamp on the machine that determined that is proof that it's a gambling style pinball machine? And I said, no, I did not because there was no tax stamp on it. Uh, and be honest with you, as a young officer, and, and you don't deal with this stuff very much, but uh, they threw the case out because they, I couldn't say there was a tax stamp on that machine that, that made it a gambling-style pinball machine. Here's the problem. There are no tax stamps on those machines. The lawyer knew that. This, the, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a certification that you put on the wall for all the machines, and, it's on, and it has to be on the wall. And, you know, the judge probably knew that. The lawyer probably knew that. They, but because I didn't know that, they threw the case out. They were guilty. They knew they were guilty. They knew they were lying in court. But they won. Because they can manipulate information. And, and, uh, and, and you know, and we say, well, I'm going to study and be just as smart as they are. You're still, and it sounds terrible, but you're still hindered by the truth. <laughs> They're not. They can say anything. They can say absolutely anything. The evolutionists. You know what they do? The creationist takes every bit of truth and says, here's our truth. The evolutionist says, let me take everything that supports me. Let me throw away everything that rejects what I'm saying. So if we do this research and we find something in this rock that, whoa, that messes up our whole theory, guess what? It's gone. We're just going to use what helps us. And that's the fool. And uh, so, now, hopefully that makes a little bit of sense. The um, uh, number next, whatever it is, God judges fools for their folly. And here's the good part. You don't have to worry about them. Don't debate them. Don't fight with them. Don't argue with them. Rebuke them if others are around. There's the simple, you know, you got to rebuke that, that scorner, so to speak, that fool. Uh, so the simple will be aware. But, but uh, you look here, God will judge. God judges fools for their folly. Proverbs 26.10 Look at 26.10. It says, The great God that formed all things both rewardeth the fool 
and rewardeth transgressors. What's well, a real clear statement? God, after all of this, God says, hey, it's okay. I'll take care of them. It's all right in my time, in my way. And here's the, the big thing. So many times we'll feel like, you know, God's not doing anything. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. In his time. And he doesn't, he's not on our time schedule. He doesn't fit our time schedule. I wish he did sometimes, because sometimes I think, dear God, surely, isn't it time that these people get judged? And about every time I say that, then I think, ah, well, wait a minute, time out, Lord. Because if it's time for them to be judged, it's probably also be time for me to be judged uh, for all my mistakes and all my foolishness and all my... And so, uh, you know what, let's, let's just, uh, I'm still ready for grace. So be patient with me, be patient with everybody. Uh, but God says in his time, he's going to reward them. He rewardeth the fool and rewardeth the transgressors. Fools feel that they're so clever that they'll never be punished, though. That's the whole thing. Forgive me using names, but, you know, Hillary Clinton still thinks she'll never be punished. Now, there may never be charges brought against her, and I doubt that there will. Obama thinks he'll never be punished. But I can keep on going for that. You know, I, I, there's, there's a lot of, probably every president that's ever been president has probably done a lot of illegal things. Bush, one, Bush, two. They, they've done some things uh, that they just felt like they never get read, you know, they'll never get uh, punished for. Uh, truthfully, some of the worst supreme judges we got, they didn't come from liberals. Uh, you know, they, uh, there's some terrible things that, that have taken place. Uh, they're, they're, because they, they, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so people of position have a tendency to have a lot of corruption in their life. Now, here's the thing. They don't think anything's ever going to happen to them. They think they're always going to get away with it. They, they think somehow it's not going to be them. They are above it. Now, that's, that's something we've got to be very careful of because we move into foolishness when we live in sin and think it won't happen to us. We've got to be very careful. Very careful. The fools feel that they are so clever that they'll never be punished for their sin. But... They're wrong. The scripture says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And that's in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. God says, it's going to happen. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And, and we have to understand, it's in God's hand. They'll be taken care of. Let God take care of it in his time. And we've all been hurt by somebody, somewhere, somehow. And you think, man, why? They're so wrong, yet they get away with it. They don't get away with it. It's in God's time. They will not get away with it. They will answer for it. Uh, truthfully, probably they're answering for it in ways we don't even realize even now. And so, uh, well, our time is up. We got... Uh, it's right at 20 till. We've got about 20 minutes before our next uh, service. So hopefully, maybe next week, or my last week with the class, we'll finish up on the fool. Amen?